From socialservice.sg, I'm Jing Yao. This is the Nine Days Podcast, covering the 2020 general election in Singapore. This series, which we have titled, What Can We Learn? We chat with academics and experts to understand the election through more analytical lenses. A week before nomination day, we spoke to researchers Luke Ho Yong and Dr. Alvin Ong on opposition unity, party credibility, and electoral strategies. More than halfway through the G2020 campaign, we catch up with them to learn more about their assessments of the three main opposition parties, the divide between national and local or constituency hustings, as well as what we can expect in the final three days. And yes, some mention of predictions too. Ho Yong is a political analyst who authored the books Let the People Have Him, Chiam Si Tong, The Early Years in 2014, and The First Wave, JBJ, Chiam, and the Opposition in Singapore in 2019. Alvin is a postdoctoral fellow at the School of Public Policy and Global Affairs in the University of British Columbia. His primary research interests are the politics and policies of authoritarian regimes, with a specific focus on the dynamic formation of opposition coalitions. I spoke with the both of them on July 5th. All right. I was going to start this in a different, literally my question um, before this morning or, or evening for, for Singapore is that this G has been very muted and very sedated, which I think disadvantages, disadvantages the opposition parties. But it seems like we... Um, we are starting this with the um, with the police investigation against uh, WP's Raisa Khan. So I was wondering whether we should start on that first and, and then get your initial thoughts on, on, on that episode. So either Elvin or Ho Yong, go ahead. Um, maybe I'll just give some preliminary thoughts. I think at this moment, it is not surprising um, that the past... Uh, posts, posts, social media posts of any candidate uh, would be dug up and um, any controversial comments that they have made on social media in the past uh, be used against them. Um, so I think some things like this have happened in the past before and I think all candidates when they stand for these elections we know this is kind of like the first true truly online internet elections, right? Um, we, I don't think it, it's too uh, surprising uh, to see what's happening right now. Um, but on the timing and everything, I don't know, Ho Yang has some, some thoughts? Well, in terms of the timing, it seems to be always traditionally the midway point where um, the dirt is being dealt, so to speak, not to suggest that uh, it is confirmed to be dirt. Um, so that seems to fit a certain mold. But also, I think the observation to make here is that um, uh, the WP seems to have been um, changing its tack a bit. It used to be very um, conservative with, with its selection of candidates in the sense that um, um, candidates, at least in the past two or so elections, have been uh, always towing the party line very closely, very, very disciplined with their messaging and uh, um, what their candidates post online. But it seems that uh, WP seems to have taken a bit of a change uh, in that, and Raisa basically is a is a very outspoken activist. Uh, I think it's natural that she has such opinions. Um, 
obviously it was not expressed perhaps in the in the way that was um, um, legal in Singapore, but um, I think it's it's indicative of the change of tech. I think what WP is doing. Yeah, and I mean we are very. I mean, as um, there was a door stop with with um, Pritam Singh, and we just briefly heard it, and he's also said that he's waiting for um, the investigation with the police to be completed. So I don't want to belabor the point, but any final thoughts about Raisa and 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 what's what's just transpired? I think the impact uh, the that we need to. Um, think about will obviously be whether uh, this will impact the Sengkang GRC's chances, uh, WP's uh, um, chances of trying to win Sengkang GRC if not trying to secure an NCMP seat there. Um, there is some sense that with this uh, happening, it could go both ways, right? So number one, on the one hand, uh, a lot of um, people may be turned off by what uh, Reza has posted online and therefore might not choose to vote for the WP. But on the other hand, for the past few hours, we have actually seen uh, a lot of young people apparently uh, standing up for Reza. Um, and in fact, uh, I just did a quick check just now that on Twitter, uh, the hashtag I stand, for, I stand with Reza uh, it's now number one trending in Singapore, right? So at this point in time, we also know that uh, Sengkang GRC also has a younger profile, demographic profile, and they may be more aware of uh, this trending hashtag. Um, and they may even perhaps express some sympathy with uh, the WP team. So it could go either way. I wouldn't be so quick to... Uh, say that you will 100% hurt uh, WP's chances. Yeah. Yeah. Um, since we're talking about Raisa and, and, and WP, um, I thought we could also focus on the um, your impressions on the three biggest opposition political parties thus far in terms of what they've done well and what they need to improve. And since we're talking on this, maybe we can start with the Workers' Party in terms of what, for each, what do you think they have done well and what do you think they need to improve, of course, outside of this episode? Ho-Yong, we want to go first? Obviously, um, this will be, bring a different start to the week uh, for the WP compared to um, the high that WP was on last week with Jameis Lim appearing on that uh, economic debate with uh, Dr. Vibhim Balakrishnan. Um, so yes, um, I think it might be worrying actually for the WP's chances in Sengkang uh, because traditionally all these issues of race and religion when played up um, against the opposition has not bode well. Here I think of uh, 1997 Chingsan, but then again obviously it's a, a different situation and that was uh, a few decades ago. Uh, but in general, I thought the WP otherwise had to run a very tight ship as is to be expected um, in terms of their campaign and how they've been very careful to, to um, present a very united and disciplined line to the media. Any thoughts? Yeah, on I that? think amongst the um, three main opposition parties, clearly, I think uh, in terms of uh, PR comm strategy in producing uh, nice, heartwarming videos, uh, Workers' Party has uh, been the best out of the rest, right? So we saw this uh, in the very first video that they put out 
um, immediately after nomination day. And recently, we also saw this uh, in some good response to the video that they have with uh, Nicosia uh, that she did in, uh, at home. So overall, I think PR comm strategy-wise, uh, WP has done uh, much better as compared to the other two opposition parties. And I also would like to credit WP in a certain sense before this whole um, thing blew up, uh, that it seemed that their messaging was pretty consistent. So number one, uh, there was this uh, overarching focus on no blank check to the PAP. And number two, there was this reiteration of this fear of an uh, opposition wipeout. Uh, there are no more elected opposition MPs in parliament. And therefore, you need to vote uh, the, for the WP in order to keep them as elected MPs, right? I think these two messages were complementary and reinforced each other. Um, and that sort of gained quite a bit of traction before uh, this whole um, controversy with Razia uh, started. The thing also, I think, is that um, with this election, WP seems to be rebalancing their um, image previously of a more Chinese-speaking party um, in the sense that they seem to be um, bringing new candidates uh, like Jameis. Um, Jameis speaks with an American, North American twang. It's um, quite unusual, I would say, from a Workers' Party candidate if you were to look at their slick over the years. But so it seems that they're trying to grow beyond their base. And, and there were some criticisms in the past too that they were quite, there seemed to be a Chinese-speaking group of uh, members in the party that was sort of dominating the party culturally. This seems therefore to be a, an effort on their part to expand their reach. Um, again, I noted uh, earlier that the, the choice of Raisi as a candidate um, would have been, I think, quite hard to imagine in the past few elections. So they're expanding the scope of a more outspoken, um, so to speak, westernized, but I used the term very carefully, obviously. Would you say that, um, and this is my opinion, where You've both well, of you have described that they've been effective in a particular way. Would you say that that's um, one of the mis, mis, uh, kind of like missteps was not attending the, the was not sending a representative to the Chinese televised debate because I was watching the Chinese debate with Mr. Ong and basically, in my opinion, outclassed the other two candidates. And in the day or two after, Pritam did um, apologize for not sending a candidate there. Was it, in your opinion, a mistake? Yes, it does seem to be a mistake and a, and a very surprising mistake too because um, it would have been quite unthinkable that they didn't plan to have a speaker um, line up for that even before the election. So yeah, quite a surprise and um, a bit of a mistake. The, the thing is that if you think that it's a mistake, um, it might be a case of a deliberate mistake, right? In the sense that they know that um, number one, they did not have any candidates that had a very deep, strong proficiency of Mandarin Chinese in order to compete effectively and debate effectively against um, Minister Ong Yi Kang. Uh, and number two, we, because you do not have such a candidate, if you send even your best, second best speaker up there, um, there's a chance that you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot and you're probably going to diminish people's um, uh, assessment of uh, who the party stands for anyway. So maybe the calculation was to better bite the bullet um, and not send someone uh, rather than just send someone for the sake of sending someone. 
Um, so that so that could be a potential calculation. Obviously, I have no idea, uh, but I'm just speculating here. But I think also going back, um, Alvin, um, it would be surprising then that the Workers' Party didn't feel someone this election with uh, someone who is known to have a strong command of Mandarin, um, who would then have been made available for these sort of TV debates. So I think the Workers' Party did try to crawl back some credibility over the next few days, right, with regards to the Mandarin-speaking crowd. They did mention that uh, their candidates were much more um, proficient in simple conversational Mandarin Chinese. And what they did was uh, they sent, if I'm not wrong, Kenneth Fu from the East Coast GRC team to attend the Zaopao Facebook Live uh, debate with Minister Chan Chun Singh. And they also had a couple of interviews uh, with Zaopao uh, that are post posted on Zaopao's Facebook page. So I think the Workers' Party candidate for Pongo West, uh, Tan Chen Chen, also had a, quite a nice interview with um, uh, Zaopao to, to showcase her conversational uh, Mandarin Chinese skills. So they did try a bit to crawl back some credibility in that sense, I think. And so we talked about the BUP and of course the opposition party that fielded the largest number of candidates was the Progress Singapore Party, PSP. Uh, was wondering the same question, what um, do you make of their performance thus far? How, what they've done well and what they need to improve? Well, compared to Workers' Party so far and also SDP, whom we will come to later, um, PSP hasn't had been the target of such um, negative publicity, if you will. Um, not sure if that's good or bad. Uh, not saying that all publicity is good publicity, obviously, um, but they seem to have kept a rather low key, a very safe campaign um, online and on, on TV, obviously. No, no gaffes too, obviously. Um, we get a couple of videos, I think, some more from uh, Lee Sien Yang sort of endorsing the party. But then again, as, as I've been making the point, I think unless if he were to throw his hat into the ring and actually be a candidate for the PSP, um, only that would really uh, move the needle for the um, PSP in West Coast. Unfortunately, that didn't take place. And I think the campaign has been quite uh, placid in a way. Yeah, so in terms of uh, negative uh, campaigning that they have uh, experienced, I would note that uh, one of the very small negative campaigning that has occurred is uh, Minister K. Shamugam in Nishun GRC going after Mr. Brad Boyer over whether the PSB actually was trading with the Reform Party of, uh, about whether to contest in Nishun GRC. And there, I think, uh, the things kind of simmered and boiled a bit, but eventually died down very quickly because there wasn't really any traction to whether what was the truth of the matter and whether Mr. Brad Boyer was uh, obfuscating the truth or not. So, so that was one episode. But I was also like to um, uh, re-emphasize, uh, to add on to Ho Young's point that overall it appears that the PSP's campaign has been quite placid. Um, there doesn't really seem to be a clear focused message that is trying to distinguish itself from other opposition parties. Um, its main message seems to be uh, the PAP, PA, PAP has lost its way. Uh, we are somehow the old PAP, but we haven't really defined it. 
So it is um, kind of surprising that they haven't really articulated a very clear message on why voters should vote for them, other than the fact that the PAP has lost its way. Mm -hmm. And to some extent, I think this may be because the PSP is so kind of centered around the personality of Mr. Tan Ching-bok, uh, Dr. Tan Ching-bok. So that could be a potential explanation right there. Um, but maybe there are other uh, problems within PSP that we do not know about. Mm -hmm. But some have also pounced on the fact that PSP's manifesto is really thin in the sense of, I mean, besides the fact that it's, what, seven pages, I can't remember the exact count, but um, that also means, speaking to the point, one might say it's bereft of new ideas or, or, or you know, unlike the, the other two opposition parties, WP and, and SDP, which has um, much richer policy proposals. Would you say that's something that was... Um, a weakness or a sense or is something that the PSP would have to improve upon in, in future iterations? It seems that um, that was, that could have been a deliberate policy to have, of having a thin manifesto that wouldn't open themselves to uh, criticism from too many quarters, um, sort of a, a safe campaign, sort of do not rock the boat and sort of let um, uh, the, I guess the drawing, magical drawing power of Tanjung Bok do the trick. I think that would have worked, uh, but not in this consensus whereby the uh, PAP is looking to basically sweep, I think, uh, many, many seats in this election because of COVID-19 crisis situation. I think Singaporeans will sort of um, flee to the PAP safe pair of hands. Yeah, I have to say that I was quite disappointed with the PSP's manifesto. If you actually take a good hard look at the manifesto, I agree with your assessment that a lot of the points that were made were just one or two sentences. There wasn't any much depth to the points that they were trying to make. And the range of points that they were making were kind of not consistent throughout the manifesto, right? It was just classified in three categories of uh, economics, um, social, and politics. Uh, and as compared to the Workers' Party manifesto and the SDP manifesto, right? So number one, we know the manifestos are very thick and detailed. Um, for both of the other opposition parties. And number two, even though they are thick and detailed, both parties have tried to narrow down to the most important policy positions. Uh, and we can clearly see SDP has the four yes, one no campaign. And the Workers' Party has also narrowed down its uh, policy proposals in the manifesto into its 10 most key important uh, manifesto proposals um, that it is uh, actually printing out flyers and distributing these 10 key manifesto proposals uh, to residents um, as they are campaigning today. So um, I think in terms of manifesto-wise, clearly SDP and WP have very clear strategies, but PSP not so. It seems, Alvin, that uh, it might be a function of how the party is set up. So I think PSP is quite a large party by membership base for sure, as well as their sort of decision-making nucleus. Um, they have a lot of ex people, but also people from the opposition and also brand new people. Uh, compared to, I think, the tighter nucleus that WP um, has or SDP, I think it's very hard then, therefore, for this uh, party, which just started one year ago, to really um, 
convene its thoughts and its plans for the future more succinctly? Yeah, but maybe I'll just push that back a little, push back a little bit on that. Right? It's not as if they didn't see this election coming. They had months to prepare for the election. And the question then is, what were they doing in those months? So the party was registered uh, in the first half of 2019, right? If I'm not wrong. And then they had a nice launch event, if I'm not wrong, on August or September of 2019. And by that time, they should have maybe come up with, say, three key planks that they were thinking of talking about, four, five, I don't know. And then maybe... Um, had some more time to add some more substance to that. So I don't know how much, how long you take to write a research paper, but um, I think they had plenty of time to try to come up with more substance. So, yeah. I mean, speaking as, oh, sorry, but, but speaking as like a, like, like a layman, right? Maybe my interpretation would be that the strategy is not so much like a national kind of like, like a nationally successful PSP campaign, but one that's very focused on securing um, West Coast, which was where the former, uh, where Ta- Dr. Tan's former Ayer Raja Ward is now a part of. So focusing strictly on on that on that GRC and securing it for this election for um, and. Possibly also tied to the fact that you said that the entire party seems to be designed um, around his personality as well. Sure. Um, yeah. Sorry, Alvin, you go first. Yeah, I agree that the party's intention may be to try to secure West Coast, but do we see a West Coast plan from the PSP? Right? We see an East Coast plan from the PAP, but mm-hmm. we don't see a West Coast plan from the PSP. Mm-hmm. But the point I wanted to add, uh, Junya, was that um, yes, the PSP might be focusing very much on the local level politics in West Coast, but my sense is that they're really focused on the ground in Ayaraja, and to even have a, a chance at the rest of West Coast the GRC, it's a sprawling GRC. It's one of the largest by land areas. Obviously, larger if you, largest if you consider Jurong Islands and all the southern islands. But obviously, less uh, no, no one really stays there. No voter really stays there. But I think a national platform a national sort of manifesto would be necessary to securing the rest of West Coast GRC beyond just Ayaraja, which was of the touching box, um, old stomping ground. Yeah. I guess we've talked about WP and then uh, PSP. And of course, the final one would be the Singapore Democratic Party or SDP. Um, it's been most prominent for its four years, one no campaign for uh, two skirmishes, a skirmish between Chi and Balakrishnan, and now between uh, Paul Tambia and um, and the and, and Lawrence Wong as well over the COVID handling itself. It's wondering same questions: um, Why have they done well, and what do they need to improve for SDP? The the SDP has been um, sort of stuck in a very unfortunate old cycle, whereby it's always been the target of this sort of criticisms from the PAP. Uh, it's a bit of personality attacks, but it's also always on the issue of they didn't not getting their facts absolutely correct and making a big meal and big campaign out of it. In this case, um, uh, a precise definition of what was the PP trying to say regarding its population um, plan, whether 10, 10 million was a target, whether it was a planning target, whether it was um, it was just a figure not thrown by the government, but someone else like Liu Taika. Uh, uh, an urban planner from Singapore's uh, early days. Um, this goes back all the way to um, 
SDP 1990s, uh, Chi Sun Juan was castigated for what he called a typo he made when he presented some facts on the cost of living to, um, to a committee of parliament. Um, it could be a, a PB strategy, but it also did, does mean that um, the SDP has opened themselves up to this sort of criticisms, um, whereby they should have been much more rigorous. Yeah, and also, I would also note that uh, just a couple of hours ago, uh, POFMA was office uh, issued uh, against uh, Professor Tol Paul Tanbia's uh, speech at the NUSS debate. So the NUSS is actually the National University of Singapore Society. It's run more like a alumni club, country club kind of uh, situation <laughs> there. And so every year they have this uh, debate where they invite all the opposition parties at the PAP. Um, and so in this year's iteration, uh, Professor Paul Tabia was representing SDP. And so they recorded the debate and Professor Paul Tabia mentioned uh, about the uh, PAP's mishandling of the COVID-19 situation, in his opinion, uh, in March. And so now this POFMA office is uh, POFMAing everyone who has put up a copy of that video. So the NUSS now uh, has been issued a POFMA, CNA has been issued a POFMA, new narrative has been issued a POFMA corrective orders to all say that um, Professor Paul Dambel was telling his falsehoods now. It is probably quite negative for Professor Paul Tambia at this point in time. And maybe there's uh, some sense that uh, the government really wants to try to make sure that people get a very, very accurate um, interpretation of events or what happened in March, uh, so as to kind of insulate themselves from the criticism that they have been receiving. And any other thoughts on the SDB campaign? So anything that um, you think we should be paying attention to or it has to potentially improve in the remaining days of the short campaign? Unfortunately, I don't think the SDP can really um, change the, the news agenda on that. I think it's going to be pretty much set um, to the end of the campaign in the next few weeks or so. But if I may just go back again to the larger issue of, of SDP, right? Um, SDP and Dr. Chi Sun Juan, um, they are a very polar polarizing political force. Uh, people either love them really much and lionize them very much, or they really are repelled by um, his quote-unquote style of politics. And that's, as I've been mentioning, goes back to the 1990s. Um, and they have been quite slick, actually, with their PR efforts, their you know, online efforts, the videos, and all, and all that, I think, over the past few years. Um, but I think that sort of doesn't redeem um, the image of Dr. Chi Sun Yuan, whatever his merits. I think um, he might have been there already for 30 years in the political scene. Um, it hasn't changed very much in the view um, of the average Singaporean. And, that, and therefore, the, the SCP unfortunately would never be able to break the 40% barrier at um, elections. They haven't done so since like 1991. And so um, we talked about the the three main opposition parties, any thoughts or any standouts from the rest of the pack? I know I shouldn't generalize like that, but um, from the, any of the other opposition parties, any comments or any observations for their performance? Well, on, on the NUSS um, forum that um, Alvin mentioned, uh, I think it was quite 
interesting this year that PAP didn't take part and WP didn't take part. Um, I think it seems to accentuate the gulf between the larger parties and the smaller ones even more at this election. I, I, I note that PSP was at that NUS forum, so um, uh, they are quite large. They are the largest party, I think, by membership. Um, but I think the small parties, which my friend Dr. Lumping uh, calls the mosquito parties, often uh, one or two members only, uh, becoming more and more irrelevant to Singapore politics, and they're really spoilers, not even in the sense of um, three cornered fights of having four cornered fights, because they were still quite um, well organized and coordinated to avoid three cornered fights in this election. I think they're actually um, giving the opposition um, a bad name, so to speak, and sort of um, diluting the agenda of what other opposition parties like the Workers' Party or the PSP or even STP uh, want to put out. Yeah, I think amongst the other smaller opposition parties, uh, I'll have to mention uh, Mr. Lim Tin from uh, People's Voice. Um, and I mentioned him for very, one very specific reason. And that is over this weekend, I went back to my old house in Tampines to visit my parents. And uh, one of the first things my father told me was, uh, do you know this Mr. Lim Tin? And I said, uh, oh, how do you know about him? And he said, well, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos and you know, Mr. Lim Tin is a very good speaker. Uh, unfortunately, Mr. Lim Tin is not contesting in Tampanese. Uh, he has a very small and weak party and contesting in Jalan Besar. So uh, therefore I can't vote for him. But if Mr. Lim Tin contests in Tampanese, I'll definitely vote for him. And I was quite shocked that my father would say that. Right, because my father has always been a kind of middle of the road, um, moderate, maybe sometimes slightly pro-PAP, um, middle-aged gentleman, and he doesn't really engage too much in politics, but come election time, he'll read the newspapers a little bit more intensely than usual. Um, and so the fact that um, Mr. Lim Tin's many, many YouTube videos uh, have reached my father uh, and, and influenced him over time uh, shows to go, show, goes to show uh, the attractiveness of Mr. Lim Tin amongst a certain segment of people that, again, like Mr. Doc, Dr. Shi Sun Juan, he's quite a polarizing figure. Um, many people are attracted to him because he um, speaks uh, in a very direct manner criticizing mm -hmm. the PAP um, and therefore he may also turn off a lot of other moderate uh, or pro-PAP uh, voters. So mm -hmm. um, for the very simple fact that he has reached my father and managed to convince my father, <laughs> I would give him a, a small thumbs up uh, amongst the rest of the other small opposition parties. Well, on the other small opposition party, I guess just to cover it uh, in brief, um, you see parties like the SDA, Singapore Democratic Alliance, and also SPP, Singapore People's Party, uh, becoming more and more localized um, sort of organizations. So uh, I think SPP is seen as more Potem Passe Party, Bishan um, Payo, sort of that area of Singapore. Um, SDA has been contesting Pasiris Pongo, I think, for the past few general elections already. And here the thing is that uh, I think um, the sad fact being that no matter how outstanding your individual candidates may be, or your party platform may even be, without that larger national platform or 
national gravitas, um, they would never really make any headway because that's one of the issues that voters um, count towards credibility for the party. Uh, a very unscientific sort of way to see it would be to see um, Cham Si Tong's um, results in Potong Pasir over the years. It was really during the years that he was leading the SDP, that was from the 80s and 90s, right, when it was really the national force in Singapore, the main opposition party in Singapore, that Cham Si Tong got above 60% in Potong Pasir. And when he didn't have that national platform, um, his votes went down to 50% and early on it was 30%. So I think the national platform is very important. Local parties don't really cut any ice um, in Singapore. On that note, uh, very quickly, so Mr. Jose Raymond, who has taken over uh, from Mr. Cham Si Tong, uh, leading the Singapore People's Party. Uh, Mr. Jose Raymond has run a very local campaign in Potong Pasir. Uh, he doesn't really have a national presence. I think there's almost no mainstream media that is really covering him. Um, so whether he will be able to make a dent in Potong Pasir with his very local campaigning uh, will be borne out by his... Uh, results in this uh, in this general election. So if they he runs such a local campaign and there's still no um, effect, then he may want to reconsider his strategy moving forwards. I guess as a final roundup, and um, there are two parts to this. As in the first one, and you can choose whether you want to take the first one in terms of predictions. And I asked the predictions because Elvin, the day before nomination day, you had two predictions. First, that um, Lee Sien Yang would not contest, and second, that um, that one of the was it DPM Ping would move to one of the to strengthen show up um, East Coast in that sense. And so the first question is about predictions, and I leave it to you. <laughs> you want to touch that, and I guess the second question would be how would you assess the overall conduct of the election campaign so, so far, and what should we be paying attention to in the remaining one third of the very short nine day campaign that we have in G twenty twenty. So <laughs> uh, maybe I'll just. Uh, try to answer the questions very quickly in terms of predictions, right? Well, before nomination day, I made those two predictions, you know, half in jest, but also half in terms of thinking about putting my shoes in, uh, putting my feet in the shoes of the PAP, what would I be doing, right? And putting my feet in the shoes of Lee Sien Yang, what would I potentially be doing? And so it seems I have a pretty good sense of, you know, being in other people's shoes. Um, and so moving forward, just a quick prediction. My best guess would be that uh, PAP's vote share would be around 66%. Um, and with regards to the number of constituencies uh, won or lost, uh, it will be Workers' Party holding on to Haogang and Aljunit, but there will not be any gains anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So if you Think about that, that leaves uh, six NCMP seats unaccounted for. And I think what will be the most interesting thing moving forward uh, in the day after polling day will be which parties win those NCMP seats. Will it be Workers' Party winning all the rest of the six NCMP seats? Or will it be uh, maybe SDP or PSP winning one or two? 
uh, NCMP seats. And if they do win one or two NCMP seats, they have a presence in parliament, and that means that they will be able to uh, attract more volunteers and voters moving forward to the next general election. So that is potentially a base that they can uh, work out from. But if Workers' Party wins all the rest of the six NCMP seats, then I think um, it will further solidify um, Workers' Party's uh, advantage uh, moving forward into the next few years. So, um, Jinyao, to your question, um, as this election campaign has been said to be a very muted one, um, uh, that has almost become cliché to say so. But I think with the lack of rallies, um, even though we know they're not predictors of election results in local contests, you can sort of get the sense based on uh, the responses of audiences and what um, the parties sort of trot out. But I think it's very hard to gauge now um, the, the mood of voters. Obviously, um, being on the ground is also a bit hard now. Uh, there's no rallies to sort of gauge that too. Um, taking polls uh, is legal during election time. So I think it's harder to gauge therefore. And it's, it's a bit more un unpredictable in that sense than previous ones. Um, I sort of go along with Alvin's uh, predictions for this. Um, I think the Workers' Party will hold Haogang. I think they will also hold Aljunit. Um, and I think the rest would be NCMPs from the Workers' Party, maybe a couple from the PSP. And also to sort of um, underpin what Alvin said in closing, I think it's really the future of the, of the opposition is, what is what's at stake here and how it will shape up to be in the, in the following years. So if it's an all WP um, state of MPs and NCMPs, um, then really you, see, you will see a consolidation of votes uh, potential candidates and support towards the party, rather than it being um, dissipated between two main parties, three main parties, or many, many small parties. So I think that that's um, uh, the more interesting thing to look forward to. So I guess as a final, I did say the final question just now, but a way to cycle back to where we started. How do you think the Raiza Khan and the uh, issues surrounding the WP right now will influence the final three days of G2020. So if I'm uh, being a little bit more optimistic uh, for the WP right here, I would say that um, by and large, it probably wouldn't affect WP's chances in Haogang and Aljunit. Um, but it may impact its uh, vote share in Sengkang. And so probably the worst case scenario for WP uh, that it hopes to have will be uh, that, you know, it doesn't do very well in Sengkang and so it can't win an NCMP seat there. But hopefully it will be able to uh, win NCMP seats in other areas such as um, Marine Parade or, uh, and particularly East Coast. So I think the East Coast battle is still being fought out quite intensely. Um, so that would be something to look out for. Well, I fear that the person, the oldest um, person that attacks may actually dominate the uh, news cycle over the next few days to polling day uh, because um, the PAP will have something to say and then the Workers' Party will still respond. This may go on for a few days. Um, obviously, the PAP would then say that uh, it's not in their interest to um, keep up personal attacks. But then again, Ivan Lim, uh, the PAP candidate who was withdrawn before uh, nomination day was also the subject of this of such uh, personal attacks, albeit uh, from netizens. Um, it may or may not affect the WP's vote share in Singkang, but it may also 
conversely also affect the WP's vote share in other constituencies um, where people may then um, question the WP's uh, selection candidate, uh, selection process of candidates. Uh, but then again, bear in mind, bear in mind, um, if that's the case, uh, and if Singkang is still one of the better performing WP constituencies, then someone like Jameis uh, Lim may be returned as an NCMP. So uh, let's watch this space. And that's it for this episode. Be sure to check out socialservice.sg for more content and you can subscribe to our newsletter at tinyletter.com slash socialservicesg. That's tinyletter.com slash socialservicesg. Thank you very much and see you soon.